Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 23. We're going to pick up in verse 12. We read the first 11 verses from Sunday just to refresh your memory. Uh, This chapter opens and closes with Paul, a prisoner, when we get to um, uh, 24, in Caesarea. As we have seen, he has been brought here secretly from Jerusalem to elude the Jews who were plotting his murder. Candidly, Paul had failed in gaining the sympathies of his brethren for the gospel ministry in which he was engaged. I suspect that this was a time of uh, mental depression and discouragement for him because the Lord came to him in the night to give him encouragement. Well, this is where we left off at verse 11. It says of 23, be of good cheer. And my point on Sunday was, why would he say that unless he was discouraged? So uh, he told his faithful servant that he would witness to him in Rome also. The Lord did not promise him that it would be easy. Many trying experiences and hardships were immediately before him. And in fact, from here to his final martyrdom, there was nothing but peril and danger. Actually, that had been the pattern since the day he was let down in the basket over the wall in Damascus, which is about, to my opinion, to be destroyed. But it was a main city, the oldest one in the world, continually inhabited. In chapter 24, we'll learn that the high priest Ananias and the elders come down from Jerusalem to accuse Paul before Felix. Paul is accused of sedition, rebellion, and for profaning the temple. So last week's study was... um, dealing with um, being discouraged. And now we're going to go to verse 12 and finish out the chapter here. Let's go from 12 to 22. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy, And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath that we'll eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now you there, for together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow. Now the commander would be Roman. So they got this plot that they want to talk to Paul again. So they make this covenant and um, go to the Roman commander as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him, but we're ready to kill him before he comes near. Now here's something that you may have never known before. Verse 16. When Paul's sister's son, well, we just learned that Paul has a sister. And um, her son heard of the ambush and he went in and entered the barracks and he, he told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, take this young man to the commander for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, you know, Paul, this prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. Then the commander took him 
by the hand and went aside and asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them, for more than 40 of them are lying in wait for him, men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for the promise from you. I wonder whatever happened to those guys. <laughs> they didn't kill Paul, and they were bound by an oath that they weren't going to eat anymore. I wonder who caved first. So the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, tell no one that you have re- revealed these things to me. So the Roman commander um, knows that there's a plot to take, take out and kill Paul. Now from 23 to 25, uh, we have Paul's rescue. For we read in verse 23, he called for two centurions saying, I want you to prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. So the, uh, the governor is going to be in Caesarea and so um, he's going to, He's got this army protecting Saul uh, in the nighttime. And he wrote a letter. The letter is in verses 26 through 30. It says, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor, Felix, greetings. So Felix would have been the governor. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them Coming with the troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before the council. And I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law, but had nothing charged against him worthy of death or chains, and that means go go to prison. And when it was told me, the Jews lay in wait for the man. I sent him immediately to you. And I also commanded his accusers to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. End of letter. So now um, the governor is residing in Caesarea. And he's handed this letter over to give to, to him. So in verses uh, 31 and 33, um, I'm going to put where they, they brought him tonight to Antipartus. And so I'm going to put on a picture of Israel here up on the screen and read verse 31. Then the soldiers, as they were coming, they took Paul and brought him by night to Antipartus. And I, where that is, I didn't know where that was, so we looked it up today. And from Jerusalem, you can see where it is, that's where... Evidently, they, they spent some time. You can see it's just south of uh, Caesarea. So you can um, also today, um, doing a little research, we found out that it is um, a national park. So here's a picture of the park today. 
thought we'd bring the Bible study alive a little bit. That would be the ruins of some of the city. Again, it's a national park in Israel, just south of Caesarea. So, verse 32, the next day they left the horsemen to go on with him and return to the barracks. And when they came to Caesarea, so going back to the other map, they go to um, Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. So now Paul is standing um, before Felix in these last couple verses of chapter 23. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's Petroleum. So we have uh, the rest of chapter 23, basically Paul getting this escort, military escort. He arrives safely. And um, as we look at chapter 24, we find that... um, um, after five days, Ananias, a high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullius. Uh, these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. So this Tertullius character, we would call today what a, a prosecuting attorney would do. It's his job to lay out um, the problem that they have with Paul, why Paul should be put in prison, um, they have the high priests there, so they're bringing the heavyweights, they're bringing the elders, and um, they got this guy who's evidently a good orator. Verse two, and when they called upon Tertullius, he began his accusation saying, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. So he's a sharp guy, what is he doing? We call that buttering him up. He's flattering him. Uh, he wants to start his um, um, prosecuting attorney uh, argument off on a good foot and hopefully get on the good, good side here of um, Felix. Verse three, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. We're sure glad you're around. Bringing peace to the area, boy, we'd be in big trouble if you guys weren't here. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy, boy, this guy is smooth as butter, a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and even a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him. Now, by profaning it, remember, they thought, the crowd thought, that he, Paul had brought in a Gentile up on a temple mount. And so everybody's getting excited. 
Everybody doesn't know why everybody's getting excited, but everybody's getting excited. This is what he's referring to here. Um, when he's referring to profaning the temple. And we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander, Lysias, came with us with great violence and took him out of our hands. And that's exactly what happened, remember? They were beating Paul with rods and it says if they would have dragged him away, uh, he probably would have been killed. So this is true what is being said here in verse seven. Commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain as these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. In other words, everybody that came with the high priests and and this uh, and the elders, they said, yep, that's the way of it. That's exactly what happened. And um, so after they give his spiel here, we read in verses 10 through 21, Paul now has an opportunity to speak on his, on his own behalf. So in verse 10, then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. So a little buttering up by Paul, too. <laughs> because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And there neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogue or in the city, and nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. And this is major for Romans. You have to have evidence. If you're gonna bring charges, you better, you better have proof to go along with it if you're dealing with a Roman. Remember when they, got, when they found out he was a Roman? Uh, they were afraid because they scourged Paul. And they were afraid when they found out he was a Roman. There's protocol that needs to be followed. Uh, So when he says here, they can't prove a word of what they just said. This weighs heavy on Paul's behalf. But this I'll confess to you that according to the way, or the Christians, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my father believing all the things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, but there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. Paul's just using this for an opportunity. And he's gonna have his say, so he says, that's not true. So he starts witnessing. This being so, I also... I myself also strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. I mean, there's a whole Bible study right here. Walking with with a clear conscience before the Lord. Doing what's right, listening to the Lord, and not doing what's wrong. Now, or, or doing what's right. Now, after many years, 
I came to bring offerings and alms to my nation. And in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me, purified in the temple, neither with a multitude nor with a talmud. Now, when I say purified, when we visit Israel, um, especially on the south side, the best preserved are the steps that would have been there when Jesus was there. But on this side of the steps, as you get ready to go into the temple, you have all these baths. And the best way to describe them is um, you walk down, I would say, maybe 10 steps on one side, and then you walk into an area that is filled for bathing. You don't take a bath, you just ceremonially walk through this water. I would say it's four by eight in diameter. So you'd walk down, you would go through this, that's what he means by, and being purified in the temple. Before you could go in, you went through this ritual. Then you would walk up and you would come out a different set of stairs. But this is all within an area of, I'm just guessing, um, 12 by 12, something along that. But my point is, this is what covers the whole south side of the Temple Mount before you get to the steps, are all these ritual baths. Why? Because there's a lot of people that would be going into the temple. And he's doing it according to the custom of of the Jews. Um, And we left off in verse 17. I was purified in the temple, um, neither with the multitude nor with Talmud. They ought to have been there before you to object if they had anything against me. I mean, if they want, if they had a problem with me, they should have said it right there. Or else, let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead. Remember last week, um, Paul, as he looked out at the people that were against him, half of them were Pharisees and half of them were Sadducees. Pharisees believe in the resurrection and angels. And that's, he said, I'm a Pharisee. I believe in the resurrection. Well, he split the crowd right down the middle because the Sadducees don't believe in either one of them. So now he had a, uh, they had him going at each other's throats instead of, instead of Paul's. I cried out concerning the resurrection of the dead. I am being judged for you this day. Well, here's the real reason I'm here. These guys got all upset because Pharisees believe in this I, like I do. And the Sadducees don't. And that's the real reason I'm here today. That's what the whole hubbub was all about. But when Felix heard these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, this would be the Roman commander that broke up the fight in Jerusalem, comes down, I'll make a decision on your case. Well, this is interesting. It doesn't give us detail, but um, evidently he had somebody witnessing to him because he has, it says, some accurate knowledge of the way. So um, it doesn't 
give any more information than that, so we'll just have to use our imagination on what was said or what he knew. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, told him not to to be forbidden of any of his friends and and to provide them, if they want to come and visit Paul, he can do what he wants to. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. Now, at this point, I'm gonna get a little sidetracked. For when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. I just want you to imagine for a moment what it must be like being witnessed to by Paul, the apostle. Can you imagine? He was afraid. I'm kidding, of all the people that, have, that, that the Lord has used in evangelizing this world, I would say Paul was number, no, number one guy. And he, this guy is listening to him, and I'm just seeing his eyes getting big, and he, he's afraid. Now, there's people that you've talked to, and you're starting to get through a little bit, and they'll say, yeah, we should talk about that again sometime. Well, go away for now. <laughs> that means you're getting through, but you're getting too close to um, too much truth going on here. And so why don't you just go away for a little while? Um, that may not be the case. Uh, in Jude, verse 21, it says, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I mean, we can stop and go home right there, right? And have, and on, on some have compassion, making a distinction. In other words, know who you're talking to. Uh, how should I deal with this guy? Um, the Bible said it's the love of Christ that leads a man to repentance. So the ideal way of going about it is telling him, look, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He loves you. God loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son. And you present the gospel out of love. Paul said it's the love of Christ that constrains me to do what I do. And that should be our only motive, no other motive. Uh, so on some have compassion making a distinction. Now on the other hand, we have people, it says 23, but others save with fear. What, actually using a fire and brimstone Bible study on hell to save some? That's exactly what it's saying. And that is uh, the church has drifted so far away from being honest with heaven and hell um, but we're clearly told that if, they, if they're not responding, here, this guy being witnessed to by Paul, I can't even imagine, you know, the greatest evangelist in the world, and it's causing him to be afraid, and what's he doing? Well, he's being motivated by fear. Pulling them out of the fire, having even the garments of the, that, uh, the garment defiled by the flesh. And um, here I put in my notes, um, 
just a real practical thing, again, I'll bring up. And that is resources. Let's face it, I'm not the Apostle Paul and neither are you. And uh, some people are better at witnessing than others. But that doesn't mean you can't give them a God of wonders. Um, I gave my, this doctor today a um, God of wonders and agenda too before I left. And I said, if I don't have him in the truck, I'm coming back. <laughs> and he was very happy to receive them. And gave one to his secretary also. But the idea and the point I'm making here, again, on Sunday, these are good tools to use. You may have others that are equally well that you prefer to use. Or maybe the Lord has blessed you with the gift of, um, of evangelism. And um, um, the Lord would use you in the same way that he used Paul. But these resources will be available, not in a bookstore. I'm gonna have a special table set up so that uh, if you wanna pick them up, again, what we pay for them, you pay for them. And they will be helpful. This doxology of Jude is just so good. Um, Even though it's a change of thought completely, I wanna read it. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever, amen. Can you get amen out of that? Bill Waters put it to music. Bill went to be the Lord at a young age. He was a Calvary Chapel pastor, very well-known musician in, uh, in the city. And uh, he was an outstanding musician and he Uh, put this doxology to music. We sing it here. You guys know it. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. I know some of you were thinking I was going to, but I'm not going to. So let's go back to, see what I can't tell you right now if this fear was genuine uh, in chapter 24. He says, go away for now, and when I have a convenient time, I'll, I'll go away. But it does say he was afraid. But on the other hand, verse 26 says, meanwhile, he had hoped that money would be given him by Paul. In other words, a bribe. I'll let you go if you give me some money. And uh, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. So he keeps bringing Paul back. So the question is, what is it? Was he afraid? I believe he genuinely was. Was he looking for money? I believe he yeah, he was looking for money too. So well, people have some really good excuses for not coming to the Lord. But in the Gospel of John, it just lays it out black and white. Why, why people, even though they know it's the truth, it says the reason they don't come to Christ is they love the darkness more than the light. Therefore, they won't come to the light. I like sitting, is the idea. And if I give my life to Christ, I, I gotta walk in the light and I gotta stop my sinning. I'll come back again another time, maybe we'll talk some more. Well, my answer to that is you don't know if you have another time. And there's no guarantees for anybody about tomorrow. And I've said this many a times, this 
all this work they're doing out there in the street. Um, Fortunately, it'll be over. We'll be able to be here, no problem, on Sunday. But uh, I really don't want to walk out of this building knowing that I'm right with the Lord, knowing that I'm blameless before him, faultless. Not because of me, but because of what he did. And I think any person's a fool. With, um, with Paul explaining the truth to this guy, to still, I like to call it playing Russian roulette with your soul. Jesus is the only way. Very politically incorrect thing to say in the times in which we live. Problem is, it's the truth. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. And there's only one person who can save you, and it's the one who lived the perfect life. But what a great doxology. So that pretty much ends chapter um, 25, 4. But after two years, uh, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix. So now we have a change in governors. And Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, and he left Paul bound. Chapter 25. Paul had been unjustly kept in prison for two years. Festus is the new governor who follows Felix. Now Paul will appear before the new governor. We have seen Paul before the mob on the steps of the castle in Jerusalem. We have seen him before the Sanhedrin. We have seen him before Felix. And then in private interviews with Felix and his wife, Drusilla. Apparently there were other meetings. Now he will appear before Festus. Uh, Later he'll appear before Agrippa. Paul appeared before all these rulers and it must have been a tedious time for Paul, uh, something to try his patience. However, I'm sure that he rejoiced in the opportunity given to him to testify before these high political figures of the Roman Empire. Remember that when the Lord Jesus had apprehended Paul, on the Damascus Road, he told Paul, he was a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Paul is moving according to God's plan and program. Basically, in chapter 25, we have Paul um, giving his testimony to this new governor, and then we we are going to end chapter 25 with an introduction of uh, him before King Agrippa. But chapter 26 is really that meeting that will take place. But let's, let's pick it up in verse 1. And verse 1, um, all the way through to, well, well I'm going to stop in verse 11 here. Now, when... Festus had come to the province. After three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. There we have it again. Whenever you're going to Jerusalem, what does it say? You're going up to it. Then the high priests and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in wait to ambush him along the road to kill him. So these guys are are trying to get him to send Paul back to Jerusalem now that they got a new governor in. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea 
and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you um, go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's fault in him. And when he had remained among them for more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. Okay, now I'm gonna do this on Sunday too, unless things really heat up with what's going on in the Middle East. I wanna show you an A spot. This is called the judgment seat. And um, this new governor is listening to it. This is what it looks like. And um, this is a surreal for me just to look because you can see, um, just go to the middle of the round circle. Um, they call that, there's even looks like there's somebody standing there or there's a spot. But you can stand in that spot and I could walk away from this microphone and if I was in that auditorium, I could talk at a normal voice like this. And uh, Tom, you could hear me just as well sitting in the first seat, front, front row, as the guy at the very, very top. In other words, the acoustics and the way they designed it was unbelievable. Now, there's a spot um, right in the, in the middle, an open area, and that's where um, the new governor would have, have sat, and they call that the judgment seat. Now, if you're looking out in that direction, what you have is the Mediterranean Sea. It's an absolutely beautiful location. A quarter of a mile at the most from this place to the Mediterranean. So the people sitting in the stands would not only, it wasn't only used for, for the judgment, but for recreation, for entertainment. And you could also have this unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful view of, uh, of that area. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor, asked Paul and said, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And then Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am um, offered a offender of any uh, commit, committed anything worthy of death, I don't object to dying. But if there's nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can de deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman. I call this his trump card. He knows they'd be probably waiting for him to take him out if he, he goes back up. But he has a right as a Roman citizen who says, I'm a Roman. And if I'm going to be judged, then I, want, I, I appeal to Rome. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, you have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. 
And when they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, you know, we got this guy, the certain man, uh, left a prisoner by Felix. I inherited him when I became the new governor. About whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for judgment against him. To them I answered, it is not the custom of Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accuser face to face, and he has an opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charges against him. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay the next day, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. And when the accuser stood up, they brought up no accusation against him of such things as I was supposing, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about one Jesus who was dead, and Paul says he's alive. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the um, decision of Augustus, that would be Caesar, Augustus Caesar, uh, I commanded commanded him to be kept till I could um, send him to Caesarea. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So what we have, basically all chapter 25 really is, is a change of the governor. And um, uh, he's appealed to Caesar. He says, is Caesar going to go? But on what charges? He's got a problem. Now he wants what's going to happen in the rest of our chapter, I'll explain to you. He wants a written letter so he can tell Augustus Caesar something uh, because there's nothing up to this point. And this governor knows it. So he's appealing to the king. Let's finish out the chapter. So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium, I said, up there, that's the auditorium, with the commanders and the prominent men of the city as at Festus's command, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa, and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found out that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, which a Roman had a right to do, to send him, I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. I'm in a spot. He's appealed to Caesar, and I gotta tell him uh, the reason, and I really don't have one. Can you help me out? That's what he's asking the king to do right here. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I'll at least have something to write. I brought him before the king, for it seems to be unreasonable to send a prisoner and not 
to specify the charges against him. What am I gonna do? Will you help me out here? Will you write a letter? You're the king. The next chapter is we're not gonna get into. Uh, We'll be saving that for Sunday. And um, a little teaser in here. This king almost gets saved. Again, getting witnessed to by Paul. And um, almost gets saved. Just like the, just like the governor. Um, fearful, but he's really looking for money. He doesn't get saved either. So 23, 24, and 25, we're getting pretty close because 27 and 28 is the end of the book of Acts. And then, of course, we'll go into Romans and we'll skip chapter one and go right into chapter two. <laughs> Let's stand and we'll close it in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for, what can we say? We, we, want, we want to be like this man. Paul, the gifts that he would have the audacity to say, none of these things move me, all the trials that he went through, the hardships, You told him ahead of time when he first called them that all these things would happen and now they're unfolding, standing before prominent governors and even kings and now on his way to Rome to appear before Caesar. So Lord, we just um, pray as we go out tonight that you'd help us Remind us as we see the storm clouds forming globally and now what's happening in Israel and this pandemic and all the other things with it. We're just, we're just grateful, Lord. We know that you've talked about these things ahead of time. And the only way that we can understand them is to do what we're doing tonight. And that's by going chapter by chapter and verse by verse through your word because we know what lies ahead. And we know that we have a hope. And we know that you have not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. So with all that's going on, Lord, we take that as our comfort. Um, And then I would pray, Lord, that it would motivate us to the point of friends and loved ones that we have, that we would at least warn them. If we get blown off like Paul got blown off and people say, I'll talk to you later about it, Don't let that hinder us from uh, boldly proclaiming the truth, even if we have to tell them, look, there really is a hell, and you do not want to go there. Uh, So give us wisdom. Help us make that distinction on some having compassion. Um, But help us speak the truth in love. But if necessary, tell them the consequences of rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen.